Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome listeners to this PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty. I'm Editor-in-Chief of PTJ. And today I'm very pleased to have with me Dr. Joaquin Kaladiud, who is a postdoc researcher in the uh, Exercise Intervention for Health Research Group in the Department of Physiotherapy at the University of Valencia in Spain. Joaquin, welcome. Thank you, Alan. We're going to be talking about research that he and his colleagues did uh, entitled Upper Body Exercises with External Resistance are well-tolerated and enhance muscle activity in people with hemophilia. It's a really interesting study, uh, Joaquim, and I'm going to summarize it for our listeners and then we can talk about it. The purpose of the study was to evaluate both muscle activity during upper body exercise using two types of external resistance as well as exercise without resistance and the investigators examined the tolerability, uh, kinesiophobia, and possible adverse effects derived from each session. There was a sample of 12 individuals with hemophilia, uh, most of whom had severe hemophilia. They performed elbow flexion and shoulder abduction exercises under three conditions elastic resistance, free weight resistance, and then no resistance. They used electromyography signals and looked at, um, after the session, tolerability of the exercises, kinesiophobia, and adverse effects, which were evaluated 24 and 48 hours after the exercise session. The authors concluded that in this population, these exercises with external assistance at moderate intensity were quite feasible, and they provided greater muscle activity than non-resisted conventional exercises. So, Joaquim, I really enjoyed uh, this article and was really pleased to see you working with this patient population. My, My first question has to do with the resistance that you focused on. Why did you think that elastic resistance uh, and free weight exercise would result in similar muscle activity for the agonist muscles and comparable tolerability without adverse effects? This hypothesis for the muscle activity was based on previous studies and uh, and also in our previous experience. During these last years, um, we and other authors found that in general, um, elastic resistance and free weights provide similar uh, muscle activity when relative intensity is matched, and this is really important, by using the work scale or the number of repetition maximum and are performed under the same conditions. Um, for example, same exercises, same speed of movement, the number of reps. In fact, uh, we have previously found in healthy participants that not only the peak value is similar, but also average EMG during all the repetitions. 
So taking all these findings together, we thought that the similar stress should uh, result in similar tolerability between these both types of resistance. And we thought that patients with a proper prophylactic coverage would be able to tolerate exercises without negative effects because uh, intensity wasn't maximal. And even that, intensity was higher than the usually prescribed for these patients. Yes, I was really interested to see that. Let's talk about that. You chose moderate intensity exercise, and you used the rating of 6 on the Borg uh, CR10 scale. Why this level of intensity? This intensity uh, was selected because it seems to correspond with the appropriate weight, allowing about uh, 12 reps, more or less, which is also equivalent to approximately about 67% of the one repetition maximum, uh, which is considered moderate intensity by the ASCM. And we wanted to, to use an intensity level that was typically used during um, training for, for improving muscle strength on hypertrophy. Yeah, well, that's interesting. You mentioned restrictions for safety. Uh, I read the following were your restrictions. No food, drink, or, or stimulants like caffeine two hours before the session. No physical activity more intense than daily activities in the 24 hours prior to the exercise session. And uh, your your participants who participated in the exercise sessions one to two hours after receiving their routine coagulation factor prophylaxis. Do you believe such restrictions are important in general for this population to perform exercises safely? Um, from all these factors, uh, the most important one uh, is to perform, to perform the exercise safely in severe patients would be the prophylactic treatment. And all the other restrictions were only a way to, to standardize measurements and especially uh, to avoid fatigue, with, which could influence the MDG signal. So that was uh, important to, to standardize. And with yeah. individualized prophylactic factor, we didn't find um, major adverse events, but people should take care when they extrapolate this, uh, our results to other patients with hemophilia since um, pharmacokinetic values might be different and, and patients uh, may have another response to, uh, to the same training. Yeah. You know, I look, with respect to your hypothesis, both exercises achieved comparable muscle activity, the elastic bands and the free weights and both showed greater activity than the c conventional non-resisted exercise, which one would expect. Were you able to look at the clinical significance of the observed differences that you saw between resisted and unresisted exercise? Mm, that's a good question. Um, although we have to say that there are some recommendations, we have to be aware that there are no, uh, as far as, we know there are no standards for calculating clinical important changes in, in outcomes. Um, we didn't provide this data, the manuscript, but the clinical important differences between uh, the externally resistant conditions and the conventional exercise 
calculated at the based on previous recommendation by by Lemier and co-authors should around uh, eight five eight percent of the EMG. So if we take a look at the table two of our paper, we can see quite higher differences between the externally resisted and conventional conditions. So yes, our findings are, uh, we can say that are clinically relevant. In fact, uh, the FX size when we compare between these conditions uh, would be large, favoring the external resistance. Good. In your article, you rightly point out, at least from my point of view, that it's difficult to establish whether EMG can be used to infer strength gains or hypertrophy. Yet you quote a previous study that showed under similar exercise conditions, which matched intensity, they did result in comparable muscle activities and comparable strength gains after a five-week training period. Would you go so far as to infer that similar strength gains could be expected with the elastic resistance and the free weights when both are performed under the same controlled conditions? Yes, I think that this could be expected, but more than based on EMG, uh, I would say so, especially based on previous research showing that elastic bands and free weights, all machines uh, can provide similar maximal isometric and dynamic strength and similar muscle endurance or even uh, aerobic capacity when both are uh, performed under the same match intensity, as you say, and, and the same control conditions. So these studies uh, were, were conducted in, uh, in healthy subjects and subjects with metabolic syndrome, but I think it should be the same for patients with hemophilia since since we match yeah. intensity and actually, I think the similar EMG values that we found for the agonist muscles are is it's a proof of of this. You know, when I when I think about your findings, it's quite clear that there's a an advantage of resistance, at least moderate intensity resistant exercises, as compared to non-resistant. Based on your findings, do you have a preference for elastic? resistance versus free weight resistance in this population? Well, it is true that for these patients, I would clearly recommend elastic bands because they are safer than weights and can minimize or avoid sudden impacts or accidents. So we could, this could help to prevent bleeding, self-injuries, or, or even possible fear of training. A previous study explore weight training related injuries from the US emergency departments in 100 hospitals during 17 years and they found that the most common injury mechanism was weights dropping on the person followed by a body part being smashed, crushed, being weighed or hitting oneself. So you can imagine the huge problem that patients with hemophilia could have if this happens since this could easily cause uh, musculoskeletal bleeding. So, in addition, the upper body is the most commonly injured region when training with weights. So, this highlights the possible safety benefits of using elastic bands to train this part of the body in, in these patients. And there are also psychological aspects here to mention. Patients may be easier to convince to pick up an elastic band rather than a weight because they, the elastic bands may, may feel more secure for the patient and that they will be much more right to do the, the exercise, so, so this is important too. And besides this, 
elastic bands have the general advantage of being portable, so you can train anywhere. But as as I said, yeah. the most important thing here is is safety, and of course, close supervision and proper exercise technique and dosing are key aspects too that we have to take into account uh, to prevent injuries. So uh, independently with weight or elastic bands. Well, I really enjoyed your paper, and I appreciate your taking time to talk with me about it. Uh, before we end, could you share with our listeners any thoughts you have on continuing this line of research in this population? Yeah, uh, we we have continued with this. Actually, we continue with intervention where we use some of these exercises with elastic bands, and and we have conducted some some other observation observational studies. Although strength training is recommended for, for these patients, there are few articles exploring this topic, and we think there's still a lot to do to know about optimal exercise dosing. So we hope that this and, and next papers help to, to improve uh, design to have more effective uh, programs for, for patients with hemophilia. Well, continued success with this uh, line of work, and again, thank you for publishing your work in PTJ and for talking with me today. Thank you very much. It was a great opportunity to talk to you about the paper. It was a pleasure.